Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon. Here with my co-host, Eric Trexler, who happens to be in the UK today. Hello, Eric. Hey, Rachel. I am. And I'm, I'm in, I learned something today. I'm in Malvern, not Malvern, Malvern. Malvern. Yes, yeah. so you have to say your words differently. It's like innovative, right? Instead of innovative. <laughs> uh, we haven't progressed to the 201 level yet, so I'm not there, but we're trying. Awesome. I, I can't wait to hear you try that because that's going to be Oh, it's amazing. great. It's sunny, great weather. The team's amazing. COVID seems to be at bay. It, it's it's day one, so I'm exhausted. I did get two hours on the Virgin Atlantic flight last night of sleep, but, but uh, it's been great so far. Good to be back on the road. Nice. Well, you look good. You never know you've been traveling. You look really great. Not that anyone can see thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have to get HR on the line, but while we're doing that, before we do that, <laughs> who who do we have joining us today? Oh, I'm so excited. We have the head of cybersecurity you say that at Waymo, every week. Stacey James. I, like, I feel like we have the most amazing guests. And I, I love, 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 love autonomous vehicles. And Stacey, welcome so much to the podcast. I can't wait for our discussion. So, Thank one more you time. For having Stacey, me. I, you know, I'm the. Go ahead, Stacey, Stacey James. Sorry. Stacey James from Waymo. Anyway, thank you for having me. It's Stacey James from Waymo. Yeah. So, it's an N of my last name, not an M. Um, Thank you for having me. You know, I can talk for hours and hours about autonomous vehicles. Awesome. So if I tend to ramble, you may have to cut me off. But uh, it's a super exciting topic and it's a super new space. So, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and chat about it. I'm so um, pumped well, because you-, you handle security for Waymo. Like, yes. That's a pretty Huge. consequential yes. consequential position. I, I was so pumped for this. Meeting. Yes. So this is great. Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, there's a. Well, it just you you've been kind of uh, in the industry a while, Stacey. I mean, do you want to kind of give folks a little bit of scope of your background, and and then we'll catch up to today. Sure. So I used to, I actually got into security in the '90s. Um, so I've been kicking around the security space for a while. Uh, I was originally a developer for PKIs when PKIs were just emerging, right? So back when. The PKCS stuff was being written and SMIME was being drafted and, and that kind of thing. So I've been around for a while. Um, I did a lot of that. I did some consulting. A lot of it was on the kind of if you were going to team it now, it'd be like more of a blue team thing. A lot of on the defensive engineering side. But I always took a how would someone attack this kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Into so you were on the career side. That's, you were like on the blue team effectively, but you took almost a red team approach to it. I did. And I can tell you, so it was, if you don't mind me going back a little bit farther, how I got into cars. So cars are central to almost how I made most of my life decisions, except for probably getting married. So, which is weird because it wasn't on purpose, but uh, I'm a, I'm a huge car guy. So I graduated university. Just kidding. Well, just getting kidding. married had nothing to do with cars. I, 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 uh, linking, linking your career to the cars <laughs> is what you're saying. L- linking my career to the cars. So um, what ended up happening is I graduate university. I have a degree in computer science. So I go to work for this uh, 
telecommunications company at the time. And I buy my first car and I spend a fair bit of money on it. My wife and I buy our first car and I spend a fair bit of money on it. At the time, this is like the early 90s. So cars didn't have key fobs. They didn't have a mobilizer. So all, all the alarm systems were all aftermarket. Right. So I lived downtown. I, you know, the, we lived in an apartment building. So um, I wanted to buy an alarm for this car that I bought. So I go out and I figured you just buy alarms. Of course, you start looking at it. There's all kinds of options depending on what you want. And you can turn an alarm into a pretty expensive thing. So I decided to look at it. Okay, how do cars get stolen? And specifically, how does a car like mine get stolen? So I started talking to alarm installers a lot, kind of on the side and trying to figure out. There was no Google at the time, right? Right. I mean, we're talking like 93, so 94. So I started looking at how would you steal this thing? And then what is the result of it being stolen? It's insured, but my insurance would go up. The insurance would only pay for so much and all this kind of stuff. So I started valuing the asset, figuring how much this asset is worth. What is the, what is the, and I'm not thinking, I'm not even realizing that I'm doing this. I'm just kind of going through this, this process. So then I figure out, okay, how does this asset most likely get compromised or stolen? What things do I want? And then I go through and, you know, kind of weigh off. This is what, I, these are the features I'm going to buy in the alarm system. And these are the features that I'm not. When I finally get through that whole thing, which took probably way too long. I ended up being fascinated by the idea of learning how to steal a car so you can, so you can protect the car. And also, I learned a lot about stealing cars, probably more than I should have known. So the project that I was working on at work had a security component that nobody had taken on yet. And I kind of signed up to do it. I mean, we're talking 56-bit days, days, right? But everything was new. And... Uh, that got me into the idea. So when I started getting more into the cryptography and the idea, but I just, I quit my job and went to a security startup. Wow. Um, no so kidding. if it wasn't for trying to buy that alarm system, I probably never would have ended up here. Right. That, awesome. that is what, like when I talked to a lot of people at security, they were video game hackers and stuff like that. And right. that but for me, it was car theft is it, kind of what got me into it. Um, so Stacey, I have a so, couple questions. Sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I have to ask, what kind of car are we talking about here? 1993, you said? Um, it was 93, so the car was a Mazda MX-6, fully decked out, CD okay. player in the trunk. I mean, this was like, this is the 90s, nice. right? Yeah, Leather nice. interior. This was my first, so I didn't buy a Beetle. Wow. as my first car. I spent too much, like custom wheels and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I spent way too much money on my first car. Um, and... Uh, you know, so it wasn't a Ferrari or a BMW, but I was fresh out of school. And, uh, wasn't a Ford um, Fiesta. And that was a great car. We had that. It wasn't a Ford <laughs> Fiesta. No, I loved, I absolutely loved this car. So, um, but yeah, it's okay. like I said, this decision around how to steal it kind of got me into, yeah. kind of got me into, so, but I always kept that. How is someone going to steal this thing whenever I'm working, whenever I worked on anything? It always kind of stuck. I got, I got one more question for you then. Sure. Did you buy a club in the process? Remember the club back in the day? <laughs> no. So here's the thing about the club. The usefulness of the club, and that actually came up, the usefulness of the club is really to chase the person who you caught trying to steal your car. Um, so the club, I, 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 so I, I discuss with people, how do you circumvent the And I don't want to pick on the, the, the club before these guys come after me. How do you circumvent not only what things do you put into the car protect it, but how can people circumvent it? Right, right. So if you put a club on a steering wheel, but somebody cuts your steering wheel and just pulls the club off and throws it at your window, then they get the entire car less a good steering wheel. 
right? Oh, and, and there was other things. So and, and maybe and a window. Is, window I went through this whole. And maybe you went to roll it down, but I went through this whole process of like, how would you defeat an alarm system, right? You smash a bulb, you ground it, the bulb, yep. the bulb is hooked to the alarm system, it pops a hole in the, because you end up grounding at a power source that the alarm system is hooked up to. So I went through all these little, uh, these iterations and that, this, that whole process always stuck with me. So even when I was doing, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's blue team work, but when I was doing security engineering work, when I was creating security related products, it was all, it was always, how is someone going to try to circumvent this? Right. Are they going to use what I'm creating against me, right? The alarm system caused the lights to flash when the alarm was going off. Well, can you use that? The fact that that light goes off to attack the alarm system itself. So anyway, that's kind of how my story got created. Um, and like I said, I was in security for a long, uh, a fairly long time. And a friend of mine worked for this uh, company that did media and he said, you know what, our red team is looking for an opening. Do you want to like, instead of thinking about attacking things to defend them, just go attack stuff. That's the more my style anyway. Yeah. So I ended up red teaming for a while. And uh, so that was completely fascinating because I was doing it in the media space, which is a very active security space, obviously. So. What ended up happening was, you know, you go to DEF CON every year, you know, and uh, because of my interest in cars, I would go to, as cars started getting connected yeah. to the internet, I started going to car talks. Most, yes. Not ever as a professional interest, because I was, you know, doing media stuff, but as a personal interest. But this whole idea of a car becoming connected to the internet and then people trying to attack cars. As that went on, and you could see that they were getting closer and closer. They were discussing new things, and it looked like it was uh, going to be, you know, more and more likely that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I uh, I contacted someone uh, in the product team of the organization I worked for, and I said, I want to pitch to our executive staff that we should get into this industry. And we put it together because I – and I went to this person mostly because I – I had to create a business case and I had no idea, like I had no idea what a TAM was or anything about markets. Like I'm looking at this sheet that you had to fill out and I'm like, I don't even, this is like, this is not even English to me. So I go through all of this. Uh, we put it together. The executives give us a little bit of money to try to get into it. And in the end, we, we end up kind of getting involved in the automotive industry through security. Wow. So again, it was kind of my interest in cars that changed my career direction and, wow. uh, through all that that went on, uh, as that grew, I ended up getting contacted by Waymo. So I ended up at Waymo because of a love of cars that I had in the 90s. It is kind of how you can trace it back and how I said hey, my career would wander, then a car thing would happen and junk, it would put me right back on. So yeah, it, it was a bit meandering, but uh, that's that's kind of how I ended up where I am. So And now you're in one of the that's most awesome. innovative Auto, I, I don't even know what to call it. I'm going to go with automotive companies in the world. I mean, so we're not <laughs> in, yeah, innovative. Go. Absolutely, I, I can't even describe it. Um, the so we're, we're not an, we're not an automotive company. We're a technology right. company. We we build. Um, so people when they think of Waymo, they think of a self driving car, and that is actually not what we what we do. Right. We build a robotic driver, an autonomous robotic driver. And then, right. so if you look at our fleet, we have these trucks, our driver can yes. drive a truck. We have a Jaguar I-Pace, the, our driver gets to drive a Jag, which is not bad. Um, we have the Pacifica minivan. So our, our the Waymo driver is uh, separate than the car, but it's a, it's a robotic driver for the car. 
So we're hey, just so our audience in the autumn thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. we're, we're a technology company in the autonomous space. Right. Right. And we're, and we're not putting like, like physical robots in the driver's seat where you're using the technology no. to automate the driving experience of vehicles. Correct. Yeah. So it's not like a biped robot or something like that, that the chauffeurs you around. The, the robot is broken across, broken up across the car to, for best placement of its, uh, of its ability to, you know, sense its environment and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, so what are the, wow. your biggest security was... concerns or risks there? Well, I mean, the big, the, the big thing that everybody talks about when, when we talk about, uh, it's even, even in, in the connected car space, but especially in the autonomous space. Is that you end up having these connected fleets of vehicles. So anything that's a fleet wide remote, you know, so like any, this is the thing that movies are made out of, books get right. written about, right? Somebody, you know, can pick up some tablet and, and, a, and a, you know, hack, as it were, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of cars. Um, you know, so that is obviously the, the, you know, the major thing that everybody, has their has their eye on. Now we spend a lot of energy protecting against that, but we also there's a whole bunch of other things that um, you know anything that's safety related, right? We want to ensure that the that the what we're putting out there, um, you know, the safety team ensures based on our safety framework ensures that what we're putting out there is a safe product, and the security team's job is to ensure that what the safety what's the safety and engineering teams did sticks. So. Um, you know, we, we have a whole way of prioritizing things. We do a, like our whole process is a risk-based, uh, you know, process for evaluating what are the risks, you know, being able to prioritize what we focus on. So we don't try to boil the ocean. Um, but it's more like we, we, and we work our way down through the stack. So we look at what things are just general across the fact that it's a connected, uh, a connected right. automobile. But then we look at what things are specific to it being a robot right. um, and a robot for our use cases, because we have Waymo Via, right, which is our trucking side. And we have Waymo One, which is our fleet side. The threats there are actually different. So we have to think mm-hmm. about these types of threats. And we think about all of this in kind of think of it, uh, think of it as three layers of networks. So you, you have the car. Or the or the truck or the, the minivan, whatever we're, we're working with, and that has basically a, a few computer networks inside of it. They're connected for different types of networks. There's 20, 30, 50 modules inside little computers, wow. embedded systems. So and that's how that vehicle operates. Then on top of that, we have the Waymo driver that has sensors. It interfaces with the vehicle that it's driving. It talks to uh, Waymo's cloud service, like so Waymo's offboard service, and all these things also talk to each other. And then we have our, our cloud service. So we have a network on top of the network on top of the network. And these things then communicate with each other. So kind of like you're asking, Eric, about a robot driving the car, like a biped using the steering wheel. When humans interact with a vehicle, they're designed the way humans work, right? You have a steering wheel, you have pedals, that is how humans put things into the car. Some cars have touchscreens, buttons, switches, all this kind of stuff. The car then communicates with the human through right. 
gauges, through warning lights, through steering feel, through road feel. So that is how that conversation goes on. When a human is operating a vehicle, it is this constant conversation back and forth. The car basically says, here's a limited amount of information about what I'm doing. And then the human will basically say, okay, now here's some inputs. Go do this. With the Waymo driver, we don't use the physical control services, pedals, stuff like that. The Our network talks to their network, which means that the amount of data that you can exchange is incredibly high compared to what a human... like. If a human tried to process what our robot can process, they would they would never move. They would just sit there and their their right and their brain would turn red hot. So right. because of that, you have these advantages. And so you have to look at it from that point of view. You know, um, how can their that network influence our robot? How can our robot network influence the vehicle? And then we do the same thing with offboard things and then sensors. So there's lots of data moving around inside of the inside of the system. And we spend a lot of time looking at how does data moves? What effects it can have? Um, you know, what what are what paths are appropriate? How can you detect things that aren't correct? How can you stop things that aren't correct? How can you ensure that when something, if something incorrect shows up, that it can't have a negative effect? So there's it's a network talking to a network talking to a network. If you know that's a um, and that's just kind of where we are right now. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to envision this and, and I, I, I'm with you on the speed, but I feel like the speed of yeah. risk is increased too. Like you have, you and your team have to be on your game because there's so many, there's so many points where a bad actor could right. say, Hey, Hey, I want to, uh, you know, I, I want to mess something up. I want to, I want to create harm here. Yeah. And I know right. the safety requirements from the industry are, are super high on you. Um, it's, it's, I just, I'm, I'm thinking through the problem on the fly here. Like how would I red team that? Where would, where do you start? Right, so right. you start, um, it's not just red teaming it, right? It's not going in and say, Hey, what did you build? Let's see if you, let's see if there's any bugs in it. Like we go to kind of their first principles, security by design, getting involved in the beginning. So I'm now having conversations with teams about the end of the decade. So we look, we look, we have a way of, of measuring our risk that we use to prioritize it. And we use that to look forward. So not only do we have the Pacifica, but leading up to the uh, I-PACE with the Waymo's fifth generation driver, we look at how is that going to be different? What new things do we need? What else do, do we have to put in there? Like I said, Waymo Via again is different. What things in Waymo Via do we have to add versus Waymo One? Um, you know, and how or do we have to prioritize some things different? Because, like I said, it's all based on how how what someone's going to try to achieve. How can someone try to achieve a and and we rank obviously when we we rank different types of threats differently. So safety, anything that affects the customer directly is obviously highest. So safety is the highest, and then after that is like data integrity of their data. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the things that can affect the company, you, you got your ransomwares and, right. uh, and that kind of thing. So, and we, we rank those, but we can look forward about this is how we think things are going to be. This is what we're planning for. These are how we think the threats are going to change. And then what do we need to build into the very architecture of the system to ensure that you know, when you're planning for success, that that thing is that that thing is going to be secure. 
And, you know, you're going to have parts of your system that are safety related and then parts of your system that are, that are not, that you don't want to be safety related. So those things have to be, you have to ensure they're separated, um, you know, properly. Right. So if you think about, you know, how, uh, web services are designed, you got a web front end, right? So it hacks your web page. Ah, you know, you move some text around behind that. You have a, an application server, right? That's where all the work gets done. And that's probably behind a the firewall. Then you have another set of firewalls. And you have databases and all this kind of stuff. So for someone, there's a big difference between someone hacking your website and someone's doing something right. out, of your, out of your database. Right. So the similar concepts of separation can work on safety systems, on the non-safety systems. So, you know, there's things like, okay, if you're going to do this kind of thing, you do it on the non-safety part and that is properly separated from the safety part. So there's a lot of we're dealing with a complex machine just in the automobile. Um, we're dealing with a very complex, uh, you know, uh, architecture when it comes to the Waymo driver. And then we have uh, our offboard systems. So our red teaming is kind of the last step, but we, we get involved when everything is an idea, um, even before it's a design. Right. It's like, this is my idea. It's like, okay, these are the things you're going to have to think about. These are going to be your requirements. This is the, the path we want you to go down. These are the things that you, that you're, you're not going to do, right. That we're going to certain role, certain rules that, you know, even if done properly presented an unknown risk in the future. So we're going to stay away from it. I've heard you say two it's things that we don't hear a lot. One is secure by design. And I know yeah. Rachel, Sadaker from Solar Winds was really big on that after the breach. He brought that, the mm -hmm. team brought that to Solar Winds, you know, build it in from the ground up, from the beginning, which is something I don't hear a lot with customers, with clients, with partners yes. in the business. And then the risk based approach. I, I feel in the industry, mm -hmm. and, and Rachel, tell me, tell me you disagree here. We don't talk about risk enough. We don't, we don't analyze the risk and take appropriate decisions or make appropriate decisions based on risk-based calculations. I just don't see it. No, but we're, you know, we're also moving very quickly. And I, I think what's really interesting, you know, in the automotive industry is, you know, what, how long does it take to bring a car to market, right? I mean, you're already looking at the end of the decade because it takes, what, six, seven years to even get the idea of a yeah. car, maybe longer. Uh, and, and to be working with, you know, automotive manufacturers and, and planning this, um, I, I don't know, it's just staggering to, to be having to plan that far ahead, but it's also amazing because you are starting with these, the right principles, which is so critical. Yeah. I mean, if you look at when it comes to security by design, um, security is a thing you can't sprinkle on in the end. You just, it needs to be too, like it needs to be ingrained, especially as something as complicated, as complex as we're making. It, need, it needs right. to be ingrained into the architecture itself. Right. Right. It's Even to the point it's like that wire can't exist. Right. It's like, you know, at the end, when you're dealing with such a complex, especially with a physical system, you can come down to like, this wire can't exist, or this thing cannot talk to this thing, or, you know, it's, you, you need to understand what are your trust boundaries, right? Can you move towards zero trust model with all of this? When things cross your trust boundaries, like, do you understand where they are? And what kind of data are you going to allow to cross these trust boundaries? How are you going to isolate things? So... To go in and put this in in the end is, I mean, you, you'll never achieve what you want to achieve, right? You have to, you have to start in the beginning. And if you're not taking with the risk-based approach, you're going to try to boil the ocean. 
this thing is, is not a is not a small device. It's the when you talk about the attack surface, it can be very kind of, it can be really broad, right? So you want to narrow it down. You want to ensure that your like things just aren't coming in from everywhere. You want to control your data paths, and it's going to get bigger, right? We've seen a lot of conversations about um, even in the connected car space, about things starting to talk to each other, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So people are already talking about significantly expanding the attack surface. Right. And so you need to be able to plan for that. You can't just go, oh, that's neat. Yeah, sure. Have, let's, let, you know, let's all have, have let stuff all chat and then we'll go in and we'll, we'll find bugs. I mean, I completely believe in red teaming. I, it's an absolute necessity. We have a red team. Um, but that's part of the equation. Right. You can't, even when I did the alarm system for my original car, I figured out how is someone going to steal it? What do I need to buy? How can I apply this? Right. I kind of designed my security system for this asset before I bought a thing. Um, because otherwise, like I said, you know, you, you buy it all like, okay, that wasn't right or this didn't do what I thought it did. And then you're going to, you're just going to go in and uh, spend a lot of time, you know, wasting time. So things are too hard to change when you get really far down that road. And it's the connectivity part is really fascinating too, Eric. We were talking to uh, the fellow with uh, the connected infrastructure, uh, you know, with traffic data that was happening and how it was interacting with um, that app that I don't use. But, uh, you know, it's, it's adding this next layer of complexity, which is is wonderful for us, I think, if, once they all start talking to each other and they work. But again, it's, it's exponentially growing, you know, your vulnerability uh, surface area. Um, you know, and, and so are you guys having to then also work with these infrastructure companies or, I mean, am I making it more complicated? <laughs> uh, no. So this is a, this oh, is a is topic that I actually have a, a it is complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. So like I tell my kids, don't take data from strangers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love the, it. The, I, so I, I understand that people are looking at this V to V, B to X, smart city, all this data flying around, yeah. things getting other things to, from a security point of view, from my point of view, it's, you're dramatically increasing the threat surface. So let's say you create these massive PKIs where there's one new PKI or a bunch of cross-certified PKIs and everything has an identity and they all have keys. Just because the widget you created or the thing you created has an identity, doesn't necessarily, to me, mean it's good. Just because you have a passport doesn't make you a good person. It just means you have a, a, an identity. A passport. So, right. So basically, that's what a certificate is. It's a it's a passport for a for a computer. So, just because you can send me data and say, yeah, I'm a roadside thing made by right. company X, and this is signed. I have no idea whether or not your company's been compromised, your widget's been right. compromised, whether that the thing is just. You know, whether the your entire trust system is compromised, whether or not you stole the, th- the certificates and keys off another device. So the idea, like I said, right now we have really tight control over our data paths. Mm-hmm. It's the Waymo Cloud, the Waymo Driver, a vehicle that we work with the OEM on. We have very tight control over our data paths. And that lets us design things. It lets us spend an awful lot of energy um, looking at this data, how it flows, we know exactly what's coming in, we know exactly what, where it's going. To expand that to something that's bolted to a post on the side of the road is going to talk to the car um, and have the car make a decision on that is 
you know, uh, to me, our the Waymo driver is autonomous. It makes its own yes. decisions. Yes. So, you know, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble that they think there's going to be all this data flying around. It's going to tell cars how to drive. The car tells the car. The Waymo driver tells the car how to drive. And even when we take our own data from our own servers, the Waymo driver is autonomous in what it does. Right. So even we can tell one of our, you know, one of our cars, you know, do X, and the and the Waymo driver will go. You know what? I'm I have a tremendous amount of situational awareness because of all our sensors. I'm looking at what you're saying. I don't right. think you know. No, the car makes its own decision. Right. So, you know, expanding this dramatically, um, like I said, it's when those conversations start in earnest, you will hear my name a lot because I will definitely be part of them. <laughs> see, see, I, I, so see it as, so, I, I see it as expanding the trust circle. Is that is that a fair way of, of looking at it? I mean, the more you integrate, the more capability, the more trust that has to exist. Is that fair or that's not the way you think about it? Um, I would almost say you'd have to be able to achieve a large scale zero trust network. Right. Because okay. there's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's yeah. like to push the trust boundary out. So it envelops another organization yeah. Yeah. that, that can work. If you work really closely with that organization, you understand their security practices, their security practices match your security practice. You have right. faith in what they do. You understand their incident response. You understand their attack detection. You understand. So if you want your trust envelope, like your trust boundary to kind of surround somebody else's thing, you have to understand a lot about their, that thing. Um, if you want to build a, this huge infrastructure where there's all these things, I don't think that idea scales because what if, you know, your trust, you sit, you exceed your, your expand your trust boundary. So it develops this other thing, but then their thing talks to another thing, right? Well, does that inherently mean that, yeah. right? So, I'm more going towards a zero trust model. The only way I think this works is to achieve this where I understand you have data and I understand you have an identity and I hear what your widget is saying, but in the end, the Waymo driver is, is autonomous. It makes its own decisions. Um, if there, and there's, there's some things that are, that are more benign. If you have part of the car or part of the, the, um, the Waymo driver that's non-safety related. It's isolated from the safety critical components and it talks to parking garage doors to get the door open. Um, but if this thing was completely, you know, uh, completely owned, it wouldn't have an effect on the Waymo driver's ability to operate safely. Like there, there's been more benign things like that, but anything that's driving related, yeah, I'll have a fairly... Like I said, I'll, I want to see a lot of maturity in the security yeah. of um, in the conversation itself. Because if you say you don't hear a lot of security by design, you don't hear a lot of risk-based approach. It's absolutely mandatory that this concept of VDX, smart city, whatever, whatever it is, is based on those types of principles. Because you'll never be able to go through, like you don't want what the current IoT world is for security. You don't right. want that, right? I mean, every like 
this is a, a, a security podcast. You probably have a lot of security people listening, and they're all nodding. They all should be nodding their head because yeah, we don't want to we we don't want to redo that, right? Right. You know, if my internet connected toaster burns my toast, that's one thing. If it steals all my Bitcoin, ah, you know, now I'm starting to get upset. If it talks to something that's a moving object, that's that's even worse. Right. Yeah. That yeah, that's sense. a good way. And how of can looking you trust the data anyway? Yeah. Um. Because I, you think about the infrastructure data, Eric, and like I, for life of me, I can't remember the name of that app. I still can't remember. How, I can never figure out how to use it, but I don't trust its traffic data. You know, so why would you want your car reacting to something that may or may not be true? I'm just saying. Stacey, I think we're referring to Waze, but don't, don't look at me. That's that's the ones. That's. I mean, one. I think I think we've all used a GPS at some point in time, and your GPS says, you know turn right in 20 meters and you're like that's a river exactly right because exactly. i've literally had yes. that uh, where i grew up it wasn't well mapped and it's like turn right in 20 meters i'm like no right and so that concept if, if a computer tells a human we, we teach humans and when i was saying i teach you know i i tell my kids don't take data from strangers <laughs> i actually mean that like my my kids are probably sick of hearing about security um, and, and all the threats of the internet, stuff like that. But one of the things we do is teach our kids how to be safe online. We teach employees how to not get fished. We spend a lot of time teaching humans how to not take data from things that they don't know, even if that thing has some identity, right? When you come to navigation systems, sometimes the navigation system makes a mistake. It's something that's incorrectly mapped. So if the navigation system says, turn into the river, you don't automatically go, yeah, let's go for a swim. You're like, oh, that's a river. I'm driving a car. Doesn't match. Right. I'll go find a road. So from a and we we base some of the things that we do. It's like we t- we do a lot of work to, to 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 get humans to the point where they can make good decisions related to cybersecurity, but being connected. Right. right? Um, and we're not going to go backwards just because we're dealing with a robot driver. Right. We're the same concepts. We're gonna we're gonna double down on. And we're going to, because the robot driver, you basically train it, don't do this, and goes, okay, I'm not going to do that. Humans, you keep training them, they keep getting fished, you train them, you fuzz them with fishing, they keep getting fished, you train them more, right? You try to get a better success rate. So, yeah, we're um, human. The concepts are, are actually, this is it, <laughs> right? We're, we're a human. So, um, but we spend a lot of time teaching humans this. So, you know, right. the, uh, from, a, from a robot point of view, yeah, it's, like I said, I, I kind of, all, all these things, the way that, you know, the, the way that we approach things, um, you're going to want to ensure that that is a widespread approach or some equivalent approach, right? But you can't just say somebody got a, I, yeah, I got my, I got my cert and my private key and here's some data. You're like, yeah, it's, it's like receiving a text message with a, yeah. you, you just won lottery, click this link, <laughs> right? It's like, delete. Yeah. So... <laughs> Stacey, how much, if, if, if you know, how much more capable are robotic drivers, autonomous vehicle systems, than a human? Is, have there been any studies on that? Um, I, I don't keep track of things like that, so I, I wouldn't be able to give you like a study or, or data on it. But, but they're clearly the way I think about it. So they'd have to be like long haul driving, for example. I think right. One, one way to think about this, so uh, 
so I moved, I moved to California from Canada when I, when I started working at Waymo. And when I was in Canada, I, w- I used to, as a hobby, teach high-performance driving. So I would teach sport car right. owners how to drive safely at a high speed nice. on a closed circuit like a racetrack. So one of the things that we teach, you know, because someone will show up and they're like, oh, I've been driving for decades. It's like, okay, so first thing we're going to teach you is how to adjust your mirrors. Because most yeah. people adjust their car mirrors wrong. And it's like, we're going to give you a better ability to see. What we're going to do is give you better situational awareness. We're going to put you, like, we're going to seat you better and stuff like that. So you go through the basics. And then we teach them to look farther down the road. Most people don't realize how close they look to the front of their car. They're going around a turn and making small corrections because they're looking right in front. And we try to get people to, right, we try to get people to look really, really far because your speeds are higher. Right. Situational awareness is incredible, is incredibly important, especially like in these closed circuits. Um, cars can be operating really close together, understanding where everybody else is and being able to predict what everybody else is doing, right? Super important. So if you think of something like the Waymo driver with all of our sensors, the situational awareness that the Waymo driver has is extraordinary. Like I can't describe, imagine that you had like six or eight well-trained people sitting on the roof of your car back to back and they're all looking outwards and they're all telling you at the same time, They're monitoring every moving thing around you and they're predicting what that thing is going to do based on what that thing is. It's like because a a scooter is going to operate differently than a cyclist. It's going to operate differently Mm -hmm. than an adult running. Like if you're driving down the road and you see an adult running on the sidewalk, you're like, okay, somebody's out for a run. If you're driving down the road and you see a child that's five years old, that's like a hundred something feet ahead of their parents, and they're running down the sidewalk, you're like, "Uh, okay, this kid can dart out in front of me at any time. Right. Right? So... But imagine being able to do that to every object that's around you for hundreds of meters wow. at the same time. Just the, the situational awareness of like, no matter how much we train sports car drivers in, in what we do, we can't get them to look in both mirrors at the same time. Right. right? You can, you can with your peripheral vision, but you, you know, you can only see so much. Right. So right. Uh, being able to see 360 degrees and you're, the, the things that we try to teach people that look, looking really far, you know, looking hundreds and hundreds of meters, or I guess here you'd measure it in football fields, but in hundreds and hundreds of meters in every single direction and picking up every single thing and going, I know what that thing is. I can predict that with that thing. I, I understand those types of movements. I'm going to predict what, what it's going to do and I'm going to react accordingly. So, you know, the, Measuring it directly to a human, and I said, I'll leave that to people who do studies, you know, because it's going to be very situational because there's going to be certain things that it will do better, but there's certain things that it just simply can do better. Right. Like you can't, you know, like you're, you know, uh, when you're growing up, your mother understands when you open the fridge and drink right out of the milk carton, although she's at the different end of the house. I have no idea how that happens, but that kind of sense, right? That kind of ability to find all this right. stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible to be able to watch, right? How much detail right. it can see at such a distance in every direction and make decisions on it. And it's, and it's making decisions based on all these objects moving. It's not like you're looking at this kid running down the sidewalk and now you're, you're targeting, you know, you're focused targeting this, this, one person because you want to make sure that they don't run in front of the car. And meanwhile, you're not focusing on something that is directly to your left coming at you, you know, uh, like a bicyclist or something like that. Right. So um, 
I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but it's, you know, it's how I think of it and it's how kind of I see it, right? Yeah. We get them from the inside. We get to see um, just the, the, the situational awareness that the Waymo driver can achieve versus what I've seen well-trained sports car drivers, uh, race car drivers, you know, um, be able to achieve. So, right. um, Okay, so we're going to assume autonomous driving then is safer, faster than human driving, right? Just because it simply doesn't make the same mistakes humans make. What do you well, see as the future? Go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, plus you take out driver fatigue, right? I mean, you and, take out you know, everything. I don't, I don't the Waymo drivers dealing with the eight kids in the back, you know, who are all screaming, trying to get to the soccer match. So distracted drivers, drunk drivers, independent drivers, yeah, yeah. texting drivers, angry drivers, tired Hopefully drivers. drivers. Um, <laughs> one of the things, if you go to waymo.com slash safety, we have a few reports in there. And one of them is taking accidents that have happened in an area that we operate in and then re-simulating use, because we do, we have a, a, a tremendous simulation ability. We do like billions of miles of simulation. Yeah. So putting that accident scenario into the simulation as the Waymo vehicle, as the, what they call the actor, the one who's, who caused the accident and as the responder, the one who became involved in the accident and what the, and what the, the outcome was. And except for these scenarios where the car was just directly rear-ended in the real accident, the Waymo driver was able to detect that this thing was going to happen before the actual human that was uh, involved in the real accident and make adjustments to avoid it. Like it's a fascinating report. If you're interested in this space, you should, like I said, it's waymo.com slash safety and there's a report in there about simulation. And like, yeah, we'll check it out. Like a car is coming, a car is coming across traffic. You're, you have a green light, you're going through the green light, you're focusing straight and this thing is coming at a high speed. So it's still far away and you just, you don't see it. Step on it. Where, well, where's the Waymo driver? It's, it's looking, it's looking at the right at the same time, right? Well, that may be, you know, that may be the answer. Uh, take a little speed, give a little speed, whatever it is, but, you know, uh, make an adjustment so you can avoid it. So the real question everybody wants to know is when will Rachel be able to sit in her car, Thank have you. a glass of wine on the way home from work yeah. without having to do any work whatsoever? Uh, well, I mean, if, except for the wine part, you'd have to talk to state regulators about that. There are certain things in this world, Stacy. I don't think we're going to cut out of this question. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Um, so right now Waymo runs Waymo one service in, uh, Phoenix, suburb of Chandler. Phoenix, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you are, if you live and work in that area, you can, awesome. you can basically have a commercial no human driver, fully autonomous vehicle, show up, pick you up, take you out to a restaurant, take you out to a bar, take you home from work. So that, depending on where you live, that, that already exists. Um, and now we're, we're looking at, you know, we're expanding. We recently uh, announced San Francisco. We have now fully autonomous vehicles, not to the paying public yet, you know, but that's coming, but right. operating in San Francisco. And we've also looked at, at uh, we also talked about downtown Phoenix and, uh, expanding there. So, you know, it's, we're, we're moving out from where we were. So it depends on where you live, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it does feel surreal where, you know, 
the idea that right now some people who want to go home from work or go to a restaurant can have a fully autonomous vehicle, no other human in the vehicle, show up, you get in, and you go to your, your destination. Yeah, what's the, the biggest concern when, when you have clients that do this in, in Phoenix? What's the biggest concern they have? I'm, I'm assuming it's not cybersecurity, you know, making sure their data is protected or, or anything like that. Or is it? Or do they just pop in and go? Because after you do one or two trips, you're like, this is the way of the future. I'm just doing this. I I think they, I mean, from Waymo itself obviously talks to our customers. And I think they just just pop in and go. Like it's, you know, we've served tens of thousands of rides in that area. Um, And there's always little things that you want to work out because you're getting, you're teaching a robot. It's kind of like raising a child, right? You're teaching a robot to interact in society and, um, you know, so there's, there's always going to be little things. But right Except now, the children yeah, don't they, listen. They don't learn very quickly. The, yeah, the the Waymo driver doesn't scream back at you <laughs> and stuff like that. There's there's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Rachel? Would you rather have a child in the car or just just the autonomous driver on your way home or, or to dinner? I'd like to keep it quiet. Just the autonomous driver, the Waymo yeah, driver, please. I, you know, I, I yeah. think that's what you would want. Yeah. It'd be pretty amazing. I read um, you guys had a blog from one of your beta testers uh, on your website in San Francisco. And it's um, I loved how he was describing it. You know, he just he gets in, he goes to work. Uh, I love that you can also what schedule, I think, stops or something along the way if you need yeah. to run errands. And I mean, how genius is that? And you don't have to worry about parking. I mean, I, I wish I'd had this when I lived in New York City. I had a Fiat, the smallest car you could possibly have, and I still had trouble finding parking. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, if you look at well, if you look at something like you know, um, especially in cities like San Francisco and stuff like that, it's parking is impossible. Like one of the people who works for me, he lives in San Francisco, and he's like, "Yeah, I found a great like I found an awesome spot to park my car. It's like six blocks away," and I'm like, "Okay." Um, <laughs> you know, so par- parking is hard. You know, navigating the city is hard. Yes. You know, just because there's there's all these things you you have to worry about. So, you know, being able to hail a vehicle, it shows up. There's no other human in it. You can sit in the back. You can put on your music. You can sing along to the song. You don't. You know, you don't have that. Do I need to start a conversation with the person driving the car? Exactly. I want to. Yes. You know. Um, so. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's fascinating, and the one of the fascinating things about it is that, like I said, at the beginning, people are just enamored by the fact that it's a self-driving right. car, but that quickly goes away, right? Right, and then it's like it's just a it, it's a way to get around without, exactly. and you can say you can you kind of have that uh, you know that, that peaceful peaceful moment, or your music blasting and you singing Roxanne, right. you know. Uh, <laughs> Somebody knows Rachel. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about myself, right? I mean, you know, I, I can't sing in a car with another human because anybody's ever heard me sing. Yeah. I pity them. So, uh, but yeah, you know. Is, uh, is the Waymo robotic driver program to tune your voice out though? <laughs> I mean, that's a well, legitimate that's, question, right? I think like, a lot la, of people la, will, yeah. will get in the car and they will – They'll be on the phone for work or or something personal, boyfriend, girlfriend, you name it. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming there's some consideration for 
recording internal conversations and protecting that information. Yeah. Or, I mean, or maybe it's a, never even recorded. Waymo has a privacy team and they interact with, um, to, to interact with, uh, you know, with Waymo services voice wise, like right. you, you can, you can call out of the car. Right. right, like there's a button that you press, and you can talk to someone off board. But yeah, we okay. we take we take privacy very, I you know, uh, uh, very seriously. I mean, from my point of view, like I said, we have we have a privacy team, and and they mandate right. all of that. From my point of view, the security team is to ensure that the rules that the privacy team set up to protect privacy data actually hold. Right, it's kind of like safety. Yeah, our job is to ensure what the other teams decide sticks yeah whether it's privacy or you know uh, safety or whatever the thing that they wanted to have happen has to continue to happen regardless of somebody uh, some you know malicious outside actor decides that they they want to alter it right that's so that's from a security point of view that's how we address that okay so rachel i know we're near the end of the time i want to say the last question for you and it oh. cannot be, when does Waymo come to Houston? <laughs> Stacy, that's where Rachel lives. Okay. There's some terrible drivers here, Stacy. Some very terrible drivers, I got to tell you. Um, well, you know, I would like to come and end the conversation on, you know, security talent. Um, you know, and, and I think as we look at more and more industries, you know, like automotive, um, you know, and, and schools um, putting together curriculum and, and things like that to, to get more the next generation up um, into the industry. I mean, it's kind of what are you guys doing or how do you guys view kind of, um, you know, how do we get some better talent or, or more diverse talent uh, into the security industry so we can do these things bigger, better, faster uh, and all it's, the it's definitely a struggle um, finding talented people. Um, in, in many of the technical fields, like there's just, there's so many unfilled positions out there, especially the more mm-hmm. things become connected, the more cybersecurity talent they're going to need, right. the more people need to adopt like sophisticated frameworks to ensure what they're doing is right. So in fact, my oldest son has, has now started a university and he went into computer science and the, he was offered two specialties. So he took machine learning over, over cybersecurity, maybe it's because I talked about it too much at dinner. Um, but you know, that's, they're, they're both areas that need a lot of attention and, you know, we're seeing the, and just groups are coming up like women in cybersecurity groups and, um, you know, even going to DEF CON and, you know, networking and finding people, um, it can't just be a, Hey, apply here. It's, it's a very, we had to put a lot of energy into it to ensure that, You know, we're we're getting exposed to the talent that we need because, yeah, it's the 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 amount of talent that we need is growing faster than the talent that we're producing. Right. Uh, that's, we almost need the Waymo. We almost need the Waymo robotic security professional, or you know, someone's got to drive that angle. Oh, I mean, we we talk about it, um, but every like every, you know, it's uh, um, it's. We have really high bars for uh, right. for entry. Obviously, my, my team my team is incredibly incredibly talented. So you know, I'm just you know, I, I'm just happy that they let me share a room with them sometimes. So it's you know, being able to find 
and, and tap into that talent because lots of other industries are, are trying to tap into that talent as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's a challenge and it's going to be a challenge, right? And we just, we want the schools to, you know, get people involved in the industry and, uh, and always look at the latest and greatest technologies and the, you know, don't just teach them that DES is shorter than AES and not that they do that, but you know, it's, uh, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it, it's, a it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's our challenge and it's yeah. been getting worse. You've been doing this for, yeah. since ni- the nineties. It's been getting worse and worse and worse. And when we do, the more you connect things, the more those things enter inside of that attack surface, right? So, um, you know, everybody is going to need a security talent, every like uh, elevators, like everything from large scale IoT things that can have safety implications, like ranges and uh, anything that produces heat and stuff like that. So. All of these people are going to be looking for this talent. These are the people you're competing against. Yeah. Well, the positive part, if we have a robotic driver, we could theoretically work from the car more and we can yeah. get more productivity out of some people potentially. Mm. Well, it depends, it depends how you want to. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't want to start. Well, I mean, every, since COVID, things have changed so much with work <laughs> modalities that, uh, but yeah, you don't want to say, uh, you know, their commute is still their commute and how they want to spend it. Like, uh, I mean, I've been for years, my commute was always, I, I would take my first call in the morning in the car. Right. And it's super distracting because you can't see stuff and you can't really interact with the phone. And, right. right uh, there's lots of distracting background noise and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, um, so yeah, there'll, there'll be different ways. Some people will be singing Roxanne, the whole way to work and some people will, you know, probably want to sit down with a laptop and get on with their email or whatever, but it gives you, it gives you those choices. Options. Exactly. And I cannot I, wait to see the future. I can't like, I'm either. loving it now. Yeah. And I'm hopeful though, you know, cybersecurity is, I mean, it's prime time. You can't yes. kind of go a day without hearing more about the cyber challenges, the global cyber challenges. So I'm hopeful for, with that kind of visibility that, that maybe that's sparking some excitement for this next generation that's that's coming up and you know they're starting to hack their their into their connected toys I'm reading about these kids like six yeah. years old you know, ha- hacking their toys which is yeah. like it gives me a lot of hope a lot of hope for the future <laughs> yeah I mean I said a lot of people that I interviewed got into security I always wanted like what's the story what got you here right mm-hmm. I mean uh and, and it's never, oh, I thought security, I could make a lot of money, so I got into security. It was, I started hacking video games when I was a kid because yeah. my parents wouldn't buy me this thing, or I started doing this, right? And it's, it's the same thing. It's, they, they start tinkering. They start, like, there's something that gets them interested in that mindset. For me, it was stealing cars. Well, the French cars. <laughs> I don't want to, that, that's going to be a weird quote. That'll be... Uh, that will not be taken out of context i guarantee <laughs> yeah yeah no but it was it was something like that right that thing that you were interested in right right that hook that, that that then you started manipulating that thing and all of a sudden you're hacking things and and that becomes fascinating and then you know um exactly that takes you down that road yeah okay rachel um, it's the end of another great show this makes me sad. Thank you so much, Stacey James, for joining us today. This has been awesome. Well, awesome. Thank I you for having me too. here. The future is going to yes. be amazing, and it's going to be secure. 
Absolutely. Can you that's, that's, our, that's our role anyway. <laughs> well, to all our awesome listeners out there, thanks again for joining us this week. And don't forget to subscribe. You get a fresh, fresh episode every Tuesday directed right to your email inbox. So uh, from all of us here, next time, we'll see you. Hope you stay safe. Until then. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 